you don't have to be positive all the time. It's perfectly okay to feel sad, angry, annoyed, frustrated, scared, and anxious. Having feelings doesn't make you a negative person. It doesn't even make you weak. It makes you human. And we are here to talk through it all. We welcome you to These Fucking Feelings Podcast. A safe space for all who needs it. Grab a drink and take a seat. The session begins now. Hello, everyone. I'm Rebecca. This is Micah. And we have with us today, Britt Frank. She is a psychotherapist, educator, trauma specialist, and author of The Science of Stuck. So, Britt, you want to go ahead and uh, start right in by telling us a little bit more about all those things? (laughs) Thank you for the lovely introduction. So, I like my professional bio is that what you just said. I'm a therapist. I'm a trauma specialist. I'm an adjunct professor. And then like my sorted bio, my non-professional bio is hot mess of a human, recovering drug addict, recovering really like fully hot mess of a human. So, I, my little shtick is... I can teach you from both sides of the couch. I didn't just learn it out of a book, unfortunately. Right. Look, that's why I'm, we're hot messes too. So, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we are like the trauma in this room alone. Mm-hmm. Right. It, mm-hmm. But that's kind of why we do this thing. It's kind of why we do the podcast because I know that there's people like all of us out there who don't mm-hmm. know who to turn to right. for help. Because, it's you tricky. Know, yeah. Traditional therapy doesn't work or, um, you know, for some people it works. I mean, some people, of course, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah. We don't take it away from nobody. We tell right. you find your method. Right. <laughs> I mean, I see a therapist myself. Me and, too. <laughs> and it works, but I, I used to, but she quit on me. <gasps> oh yeah. dear! Oh no! <laughs> I'm well, so sorry. Such a likable guy, you know. Yeah, she felt like we became friends, and then yeah. it wasn't beneficial for me to continue seeing her. Well, that's like at least that's ethical that she called it out and and put a pause on it versus you're paying someone to like chit chat with every week. So yeah, yeah. but oh no, why she like scarred me now for for life? I hope that's not good. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so your book isn't out yet, right? It is out. Yes, the science of stuck is out. My new book is not out yet. My new book comes out next summer. Science of stuck is out now. Available everywhere you buy books. Yeah, I'm going to get the Audible. Well, it was crazy because I tried to order it from Amazon and it was like coming in July or some crap. And I was like, oh, maybe it's not out yet. Oh, no, no, no. New one out next summer. Current one out now. If Let me know if you have trouble finding it. I'll send you one. Actually, I do want an autograph copy. Oh, I can. But I will will pay for it. Gladly pay for it. (laughs) I just wanted to be autographed. Our, fir- our first guest mm-hmm. started it. She said she's going to send me an autograph book. And now all the authors we have, I ask. I want an autograph book. <laughs> oh, I love it. Your show and tell. Right. Yes. Definitely. So tell us a little bit about your book. So I wrote The Science of Stuck because I found as a therapist and as just a human that a lot of like the mental healthy books were geared for people that know they need mental health stuff. Like I have a huge trauma history. It sounds like you both know a few things about that. Like we know we have trauma. It's not like the, you know, here's the trauma information. I'm not sitting there going, oh, that's not for me. But there are so many people who are stuck 
but they might not identify as having trauma or they might not really resonate with the mental health stuff. But like, I don't care what you call it. Everyone with a brain knows what it's like to get stuck with something. And so it's called the science of stuck and not the science of trauma because I wanted it to be a book that you can read even if you're not like at the ends of the earth clinging on to your sanity like I was. Like if you're like normal stress, I hate the word normal. There's no such thing as normal. Disclaimer, that was a joke. Normal is a setting on your washing machine and that's it. But if you have just like a general you know, stress, burnout, whatever, and you don't identify as struggling, you can feel better just because you're feeling okay doesn't mean there's not more for you. So I wrote that book for, so it's not scary for people that don't identify as mentally health challenged. Yeah, that's not, I mean, it sounds awesome. I know, you know, we kind of talk about kind of what you're saying. I think that people who are our age, um, you know, we grew up in a household where what happened in this house stayed in this house. And you don't talk mm-hmm. to business outside of these walls. And you don't never tell nobody this. And you never tell nobody that. Or, you know, my mom, Puerto Rican and strict. And, you know, I didn't want to get the chancla. So I didn't tell nobody my business. <laughs> but here I am now in my 40s. And um, I had to swallow that. I know. I swallow. She always he says, me. He, he I, tells I just, people that and they always are like, wait, what? Yeah, I thought you were like 25. Oh, my God. Everybody says that. Uh-huh. The last person said 28. I am 44. Wow. Okay. Well, whatever you're doing, yes, please. I am dealing with my trauma. You're dealing with your trauma. You're dealing with being stuck. See, like read my book and your your skin will glow just like yours. Yes. He loves people and he shares his love with everyone. I think that's a secret, really. I love that. I I do really, really love everybody. I kind of, I feel like some people just can't help who they are. When they don't know that they need to seek help. Does that make sense? It's a very generous way to describe certain people. So I wouldn't disagree. I I just get more cynical, but you're not wrong. Right, right, right. And no, I, and trust, I know there's good and bad people in this, in this, this, but I also know that I never know the full story. Sure. So I don't know what happened this day. You know, I, I I was funny. I tell these guys about a story. So um, I was young, had to be like five years old and I, I grew up in New York city. And we were walking down a block, me and my sister. And I guess it just had been like some kind of shootout or something because there were like three dead bodies and they were all cops and things everywhere. But the one thing that I noticed was that the guy wasn't wearing his shoe. So while everybody else is like, oh, my God, you know, so and so. And I'm like, how did he lose his shoe? You know, but that takes me down a darker, not darker, but it took me down a path. Like if he would have wore different shoes, would he be dead today? You know, like, is it, you know, (laughs) so it's like, it takes me down that kind of path. But because I always thought that way and that kind of was, I feel like that was my first memory of my first thought, if that makes sense. That totally makes sense. (laughs) And it's so important because what you're saying is there's a story there. Like there's a really important, real, probably incredibly compelling story there. And I think people are very quick to want to point fingers and label and blame. And like, as someone who's survived a lot of things, including abuse, like I get it. I wouldn't victim blame. And sometimes you have to look and say, what happened to me was wrong. But at the same time, if it's not happening to you, like, 
we have enough crap happening to us to deal with. So I'm with you. I'm like, assume that what you're seeing over there has a story. And if you can't be helpful, then let's stay in our lane where we can be useful instead of being in the problem. I'm with you on that. Right. When you problem solve at work, um, you, you typically think outside the box, you know, that's what we say. Well, Micah doesn't only think outside the box at work, but he uses that theory on people. Yeah. You know, he looks at a person and he doesn't see that person for just what I see or anybody else sees. He sees that person like all the way through and it's just incredible. It's true. I mean, most of the shenanigans of humaning, I'm not excusing them, come from people that are profoundly unseen and invisible. So some invisible people collapse, some people who are invisible act out. And everyone wants to be seen. So one of my favorite, because I'm a super introvert, one of my favorite party hacks, like if you're listening to this and you're not really a people people person, if instead of asking someone like the classic American, <laughs> what do you do question, which is just obnoxious. Um, I always start with when I meet people, what's your story? Because right. then they can answer it however they want. Yeah. So I I'm tell a people super that introvert too. too. Uh, and I'm not. I tell people, like, if you ask me this question in public, like, understand. You're going for it. Look, and I'm going to give you an answer. So I need you to have time to hear my whole answer. <laughs> so, for instance, we work at the same office together. And I've worked at this company for three three years. He's been there a year. I've gone to the Christmas party <laughs> three years. He's gone to the Christmas party one year. Okay, everybody hung out with Micah. Nobody with me. I'm like, people, I've been here three years. <laughs> why is why are you hanging out with Micah? And how do you feel about that? What does that bring up for you? We can explore this if you like. Think it's right, because- but that's what I was gonna say. Sorry, yeah. that's the reason we brought you on because you know we need to help Rebecca figure out why. Minutes Ooh. before you came on, he's like, let's see if she can psychoanalyze your ass in less than five minutes. <laughs> That's oh, funny. I'm now I'm, I'm off the clock as a therapist. <laughs> You're cool. We should be friends. I shouldn't yeah. be your therapist. Absolutely. And you don't have a Micah situation that he just know, got into. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still really hurt by that. <laughs> <laughs> he balances things. You know, I don't have to be so wild and crazy i leave it to him so now we're gonna talk about you yes yes okay I know you were like a marketing exec or like you did advertisement. That's like a really generous, I mean, technically, yes, but no, it was, I'd sit outside and cried and smoked a lot of cigarettes. And then occasionally, like while high on Vicodin, sent out emails that got, that got approved. So yes, but I was in my twenties and I have no idea what I did. Just that it sort of, I faked it enough to not get fired for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody's doing that now in society. Yeah. No one yeah. wants to work right now. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> COVID came in and messed us up a little bit. Uh, but what was your change? Like, what was the thing that happened to you that made you decide this is the path I'm now going to go on? I wish I had, like, and this is why I'm not, like, a good made-for-TV story. It wasn't like everything was bad, and then the sun and the clouds parted, and now it was good. It was like, okay, when I was 22, I had an inkling that perhaps there were a few things I needed to deal with, but, like, I didn't want to deal with them. So then I, you know, bumped up around life, and then, like, 
a couple of crazy relationships later, it's like, huh, maybe there's some stuff. So maybe I'll just sort of casually explore therapy, but lie to my therapist and to myself and not really deal. So it was a very meandering, like my last stop on the a very long windy road was methamphetamine. And that super accelerated. It's like, okay, at this point you deal with your stuff or right. that's going to be the end. And I don't know why I was able to like find a way out. Like it's not, some people don't. Some people don't survive that journey. I like. It's not like I'm so special. It's just I was really lucky and had resources and the things lined up in a way that I was able to get out and get what I needed help-wise. Um, but that if, it, if it's like, what was your turning point? It was like domestic violence and methamphetamine will bring you to the end of your 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 yeah. crap pretty but quickly. That's what makes you a TV-worthy candidate? <laughs> you succeeded. You got out of that and you're a success story and you're and I honestly I was gonna say you kind of describe everybody I feel like you described everybody's life story you know I knew you know I kind of did the same thing at 22 you know I didn't I was living in New York City having the time I left life being young with friends you know I kind of always been scared of drugs and stuff until now um, and, and it's just marijuana, people. I got a card. It's medical and it's legal, okay? A but, card. No shame. No judgment. <laughs> I got a cord. Um, <laughs> I love him. She's over here. No, see, and now you made me miss my thought. Sorry. <sighs> Dang, where was I going with that? Um, you were in New York City. You were yes. living. You were partying. Oh, you weren't really into mm-hmm. Thank you, Brett, yes. my friend, Brett. <laughs> uh-huh. I got but, you. No, it kind of came to a point where it was like, is this how my life is supposed to be? You know, Mm -hmm. am I supposed to, like, I remember being on the subway Sunday morning, just leaving a club as the church ladies, you know, really don't want to sit next to me with their big hats on, (laughs) like he a heathen, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But I felt like your your story was kind of, to me, it was like you were describing me. So I'm kind of with her. I think you're perfect for this. <laughs> and I think a lot of people relate. I mean, I did not relate to the things were bad. And then I had a thunderbolt awakening and then things were good. Um, if only recovery was that neat and clean. It was like I had a few weeks of like, perhaps this is going to change. And then a whole bunch of just nonsense and shenanigans. And it was all over like a hot, stinking, flipping mess, relationships destroy and whatever. But um, yeah, once I like got out of that, it's been, it's been really fun not being in that spiral. Did you have a support team helping you out of that? Or were you kind of just on your own digging yourself out? I, along the way, I wouldn't call it a team. I said along the way, I, I call them like my lamppost people. It's like, okay, this particular person had planted some seeds and like, or shed, I'm mixing my metaphors, guide lamppost people. She shed some light and I just ignored it. And like over here. And then by the time I was really ready to make significant changes, all that wisdom that I had ignored sort of popped up to the surface. And I'm like, oh. And so, you know, again, I was able to get some really good help. Um, and then a lot of it was like, I need a place to live. I have no place to live. I'm going to go on Craigslist and hope for the best. I'm dating myself here. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to go on Craigslist and hope for the best and, you know, shacked up with a bunch of random people. And it worked out. They were lovely people that were just like doing, you know, they slept, they ate, they didn't do crazy stuff. And I got to just kind of watch what, like, I never really learned how to human properly. My family looked normal, but emotionally there were some things. So, uh, yeah, 
that's that was sort. I don't remember where we started, but that was sort of my thing. So it's not only me. Yeah, okay. no. Look, a virtual high five. You, you answered. You answered the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. But um, I know it's like so much to ask, right? Because um, uh huh. Stop. <laughs> uh, oh my god. This is horrible. I'm so sorry. I'm going blank look, blank all day. That's okay. I'm having fun watching the two of you. I know. It's just... Other people are going to have fun I, watching I'm gonna, <laughs> I don't want him to lose his train of no, thought. No, no, so. ask, please. It'll come back. Okay. Well, I wanted to know a little bit more about how you transitioned from that, I don't know, advertising into the college. like for psychotherapy Mm. so forth and all of that so when i graduate you know when you graduate college you're 22 and you know nothing and so that was just like a job i stumbled into and then i couldn't really do that because i you know waking up in the morning and going to sleep at night was just not available to me at the time because choices so you know i waited tables for a really long time i did odd jobs here and there and then once i got enough recovery that i had some grounding under my feet and i was stable this is in my early 30s i was like i love this stuff i don't want to go get a real job i don't want to go work in the business world all i want to do is read about study about talk about all of this neuroscience stuck on stuck recovery wellness stuff to the point of total being like obnoxiousness. So why don't I just make this my career? And then I, you know, went to school with a bunch, you know, I went to grad school with people 10 years younger than me and just sort of sucked it up and learned everything I could. And, um, you know, I would not have done well going to therapy school in my twenties. I was too busy trying to like do me, let alone, I was not going to be helpful to anyone else. But yeah, it was in my early thirties. I'm like, I want to do this full time and I'm a really good waitress. So I've always been able to pick up and move cities and, you know, get by because I have that skill. So I just waited tables, went to grad school and it's been great. The last, you know, after that things tend, you know, things as they tend to do um, worked a lot better. So being such an introvert, how do you handle standing up in front of people, being that educator? And because I think you, I read that you teach at the University of Kansas, Mm -hmm. Kansas, Kansas, Kansas. How do you do that being an introvert? Yeah, here's the secret. I would rather be on stage in front of a thousand people than at a party with 10. It's so much easier when you're on stage because I'm not interacting. We're not socializing. I'm talking and they're listening. Everyone is quiet and I do my thing. And then it's like the after doing that, like doing keynote speeches. I'm fine when I'm doing the thing. But then when people want to chit chat, I'm like, oh, crap. I don't know how to have basically people think I'm an extrovert because I'm energized and I'm really into what I talk about. But then if we're just like hanging out, I'm super awkward. I'm not good either. And I'm kind of both because I don't mind being by myself. Like that's my kind of like healing story. Mm -hmm. I I had very, very bad uh, experiences with therapists. Like the horrible experience. I had one therapist tell me I was 16 years old. I was in the hospital. I was paralyzed from the neck down from a uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome. And I remember they, you know, they bring therapists into the hospital. And the therapist told me that I was there because of things that I did. Oh, my God. Uh, it, the injury done by therapists to people 
would like I have heard more I don't think it's it's rare that someone comes to me as a client without a horror story from a therapist yeah and then it was kind of like and then you know and then I kind of went through other therapists who just couldn't they couldn't get me you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) because as you see like in this podcast my brain moves a thousand miles an hour and I probably have 462 questions for you. He, I can only does. think of one right now. And as soon as we hang up, I'll be like, oh, my God, I wanted to ask you this. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, and then just, and then when I finally found a therapist that I liked, we ended up bonding a little too much. And it, it kind of became, I became her therapist. Oh, no. So, oh, no, no, no. That is, like, no, bad. Yeah. And even now we still he check. He is a good therapist, though. Yeah, Either yeah. way, like that is like an egregious boundary like violation. Oh, right. And, and she, I mean, like you said, she did the right thing when she was like, I don't think we should do this no more. And I'm like, no, but I love you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'll say all the right things. I'll make it right. <laughs> but uh, I did go. But because of that, it was really, really hard for me to deal with mental health now mm-hmm. because like, I didn't, I didn't want to exercise. Like, I just don't want to do that. Like, I'm cool with the little body that the Lord done gave me. I'm good with this. And if don't nobody want me because I got a little bit of titties, then don't want me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I knew that that wouldn't be my thing. Now, yeah, should I be exercising because it's good for you and you need to be healthy and all the other good stuff? Yes, people. I'm not saying don't work out. I'm talking about me. Right. What worked for me and exercise won't going to do it. So then I started, I tried meditation. And I was meditating about how I was going to decorate my meditation room. <laughs> so I, so that kind of didn't work. And then, you know, I just knew I did. I was like, you know what? I'm going to open my eyes. Everybody going to be gone because I just did four hours straight. <laughs> and I open my eyes and it's 30 seconds. I'm like, damn, I had that many thoughts in 30 seconds? <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. yoga didn't work for me just solved world hunger. I, I know. Love this. Seconds. You know how much billions I could have made <laughs> if I wasn't trying to do meditation? I'm just joking. Yeah. But eventually, my biggest thing that I did was I up and I moved from my childhood area. I just got up and left. I'm like, legit, anything that fit in my car went with me. If it didn't fit, I don't care what you do with it. Throw it away. You know, it was like I left just a whole life and just moved. And, you know, it was just like I drove 10 hours and wherever I stopped, <laughs> that's what it was going to be. And I found peace in that. Mm. Finally, for the first time, I was able to hear my own thoughts. Where'd and you I- land? It's 10 hours west of New York. That's why I live in the Midwest now. I'm from New York, too. I um, live in Kansas. Virginia. You ended up in Virginia. Yeah. And it's like sometimes you have to get completely outside. Right. What was that like once you got out and started hearing your thoughts? I know. It was amazing. And that yeah. was the thing. I, you know, it was like, and then I didn't realize how much people leaned on me. So I never really had time to deal with my own shit. And I'm a probably a lot like both of you guys. I have some horrible childhood traumas. You know, I I was one of those people that was molested from the time I was four until I was 16. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought it was normal. Like, you know, I'm over here talking to other kids like, oh, your Uncle Jim, don't pull your pants down. You know, because it was just that normal for me, mm-hmm. you know. And um, yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> just think about that stuff now. Sorry, I laugh at everything, right? But um, go ahead, Rebecca, say something. <laughs> but I guess my point was I finally got I, I got like some solitude and I was able to like go within myself and see that none of those things were really about me. Mm. You know, that was my biggest 
takeaway. Like people did these things for me because I was available, but it had nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with who I was, how I looked, what I said. If it wasn't me, it probably would have been somebody else because they just needed to do it. And not and not saying that that kind of healed me, but in a way it kind of helped me start starting to look for life now, you know, because for most of my life I saw death and everything. I really get that. And I appreciate you sharing that. So thank you. Um, I'm with, I have the same kind of approach to looking at my own traumas as you do. And some people get really upset and they're like, well, you're victim blaming. I'm like, well, first of all, it's my shit. I get to do whatever I want with it. Um, Second, no, I am not. It's actually more empowering to take that because if it was about me then what's wrong with me and I must be crazy and what is it about me and it's like oh no it's not about me at all so if, if that's not if the, if the if I am not what happened to me then like who the hell am I and then that's that was a much better question for me than what's wrong with me who am I got me a lot further than what's wrong with me that's really dope yeah that's a really well said uh, yeah we're gonna make t-shirts <laughs> <laughs> don't worry we're gonna break you off a little yeah, something something <laughs> We're going to get you a couple of coins. <laughs> so um, are, are you single, married, have kids? Just asking. I have chosen child-free, and uh, I love kids. I love other people's kids. I love other people who choose to have kids. Oh, and I – have you seen Chelsea Handler's Netflix special where she talks about being child-free? I'm like, yes, that. I'm yes. the same way. So much, yes. I am married. I've been married for two years to a normie, and it's utterly bizarre. Like, just a normie person. Like, just dead by nine. Yeah, it's (laughs) the weird. Like, he eats when he's hungry. He drinks when he's thirsty. He has a a drinker. I mean, what? So, um, we have a lot of fun. So, I've been married two years, no kids. We have a really cute little dog, but no children. Okay. And I was just asking just to be nosy. You get to be nosy. That's fine. (laughs) I'm an but open I'm, book. Right. And and that's why I want to know, like, how, what does your husband think about what do you do, what you do? It's funny because he, as a normie, I, I've said to him and our friends have said to him, well, you picked like a really messed up, a recovering messed up person. So maybe she's like your shadow side or something, but he's very supportive. It's really useful because I'm an introvert. I'm really like, I work for myself. I don't work with a team. Um, and so I need a lot of alone time. And he is also like super into his things. So it works really well where neither of us is clingy or anxious attached. We are both like, Hey, you're cool. Now I'm going to go do my stuff and you do your stuff. And it works really nicely. He's very supportive, but he work. he does not work he works in like the clean energy clean transportation arena so we are not on each other's toes which i could never be with another therapist oh my god no 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 i have an interesting question actually saying that you're an introvert and then saying that you i don't know if they're connected so follow me on this question <laughs> um saying you're an introvert and then uh, saying that you want to be alone and do your own thing. Are those connected? Mm, such like a good question. It is a good question. Okay. It's so good. Well, that's here's why that question is tricky, right? Because you can take 10 people who all love to be alone. And it might be that some of them genuinely get recharged and are introverts. Some of them might be extroverts, but because of their trauma or because of depression or because of whatever, like, you know, let's say they're paralyzed from the neck down. Like, I'm sure that it's harder to extrovert and wanting to be with people when that's the situation. Definitely. So I wouldn't always link wanting to be alone with introversion, even though like that tends to be a thing 
but I have a lot of extrovert friends, which is great because then I just get to hang out and listen to them talk, which is so much more fun for me than hearing myself talk. Oh, and see, I will talk to you all day. But to be honest, I'm kind of introvert, too, even though people wouldn't think of because I prefer to be alone. Mm -hmm. You know, I just I, I guess I don't know. I feel like this world is miserable. We live in a miserable world. We do. I hate to say it. That's why I think this podcast is important. That's why I think you are important and people like you, because there's methods out here to fix this world and we just need to do it. You know? Yeah. Like it's, it's crazy how messed up this world is. So when I go outside, if I can make one person smile, I'm going to do that. And because of that, I pick with everybody. The Dunkin' Donuts people at the gas station, in Walmart, the yes. clerk. Like I mess with everybody and I do it where it's like borderline insulting, but kind of funny. You know, so that they have that they they have to engage because now they like you just don't let me disrespect you. But or that doesn't you make you out? an introvert, though, right? No, no. I was saying that I guess that's my reason for like being so extroverted when I am out and need to mm. be extroverted. But honestly, if it's me staying home, like my friends joke because I'm in bed by nine o'clock, so I get the memes like, uh, "You want to hook up now?" At 9.30, like, I'm already in my pajamas. <laughs> you know, so if, if I have the option of staying home and going out, I'm going to stay home. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And, like, with what you're saying, if you look out at the world and you look at everything that's going wrong, it's really easy to want to hide and isolate. So, like, I have really good wonderful, awesome, non-crappy friends that I adore. It's just that because I'm an introvert and a lot of them are introverts, it's great because we hang out, we go deep, we enjoy each other's company, and then we don't talk for months. And that's, it's like having a really big meal that keeps you fed for a while versus an extrovert. My husband's an extrovert and he is like out and meeting people and doing things and like that (laughs) totally lights him up, which is great. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I think... people ask me, you know, like, how do you not get depressed doing what you do all day? Because you're in, you're hearing the worst of what humanity has to offer as far as what's done to people. And it's like, well, I know that I need alone time to recharge, but I also need, we have to be connected. And I have really, really amazing people in my life to help me do that. I would imagine that I would be angry sometimes at listening to people's stories. Is that ever anything that you felt like anger? When I early in my career, when I had not the greatest boundaries, but it's really important for me to know my role. Like for if I was your therapist, for example, like you're cool. It'd be easy for us to just chit chat and be friends. But my job isn't to be angry on your behalf. You have people who love you. It's not my job to be worried for you because you have people who love you for that. My job is to just hold space for you to hear yourself think without my agenda interrupting it. And I think that's that's (laughs) the point of the therapist really it's supposed to be such a great answer yeah yeah, you're pretty dope y'all make sure y'all check out brit yeah (laughs) because you're really really dope that was such a great answer i was like uh yeah yeah for sure i like that answer a lot and i i I don't mean to keep going back to this introvert thing but i really like your answers on this introvert thing and I will leave it alone after this. I no, promise. No, look, ask what you're going to ask. Rebecca well, need help. And that's really why we do this podcast no. for the free mental health. Yeah, <laughs> and that's why I jumped on this bandwagon because I need help. So <laughs> I am severely introvert. And I think a lot of it comes from my childhood because I am the middle child between two sets of twins. Okay? Oof, oof. Oi, oi. Yikes. Okay, yeah. go on. So I felt like you could have gave us one more. I was, (laughs) so I was always alone. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they celebrated their birthdays together. They had their thing. And oh. I mean, I, I was, I named my bike for crying out loud. What was your bike's name? Crystal. Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> and Crystal happens to be our producer's name. Mm. And her and Crystal are so tight. Sometimes yeah. I feel like sometimes life gives you life gives you signs. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it was like like I don't know, people like they say it never happens when you want it, but it's always on time. Yeah. Because you should see her now with Crystal. Yeah, we're good friends. Yeah. Actually, it's funny, they kind of got that mother daughter relationship. Mm-hmm. Even though but, I'm just a few years older, older than, than her. her. <laughs> but Crystal is probably a lot like me where we choke and we play and, you know, I grab her boobs and she smack my butt. And, you know. <laughs> she, she, he does not grab her boobs. Oh, Shh. I forgot we work together. Not at work. Edit we don't do out. it at work. So, uh, Britt, I might have to edit that out. So yeah. you don't see that Anyhow, part. <laughs> so, Your question about introversion, go on. Yes. Uh-huh. So. All my, I don't know, till I was, I don't know, as long as I can remember, I pretty much spent a lot of time alone and that became what I preferred. So now I'm in my relationship with my husband. I've been married 12 years now. He's very much an introvert as well, but he likes to be with me a lot and I like to be with him. Not saying I don't. But I find that I really need my space. Like Mm -hmm. I need to go be in my head, either read a book, you know, whatever. And he has a really hard time with it. So that's why I'm trying to find a connection to, I mean, I do, I am depressed. I do have um, depression and anxiety. I take medication. I see a therapist. So I'm just looking for a really good, solid reason. That you could be by yourself. That I could be by myself. <laughs> I'm mad that you're over here about to use Brit against your husband. <laughs> no, I mean, it just makes sense that if this is really how I am, and it's not just like, I mean, this is well, how I am, but he gets mad at me. For your particular situation. Again, I'm not going to therapize you, but right. I will I will give you some things to think about. Um why do I need my alone time for you is so much less important than how do I get my alone time? Because regardless of whether it's trauma, whether it's child, like it doesn't matter why right now it's that you need it. Like, you know that you need it. And so like, it's not, why do you, why are you like this? It's like, okay, how do we get you what you want with that? Cause clearly it's tripping out your husband. It's like triggering his parts, you know? So it's really hard when two people have like, matching triggers it's really nice when what triggers one person doesn't affect the other person but that almost never happens so i would you know encourage you to have your beloved listen to read about some trauma stuff and that your need to recharge your battery is not just like we were saying earlier is not about him it has nothing to do with him but as a husband doesn't he have a right to know I don't, I'm not married here. I'm just asking for the married people. That you that you are that you do have traumas that you're dealing with. Oh yeah, yeah. The the why specifically is not relevant, but you can frame it to him like, "Hey, I've been thinking about doing about therapizing about, and this need to be alone seems to be really important for my healing." You don't have to get into it, you know. And then then you make him the hero of the story because instead of you rejecting him, you're like helping him to help you. 
but systems, structures, like if he knows every Wednesday is your date night and he gets you that on Tuesday, when you want to go disappear with a book, it might not land as hard. Right. Or maybe you should have a date night. I don't, do you guys? Yeah, we, we typically do. I mean, lately the past couple of weeks we've gotten away from it, but we do quite often have date night. So I guess we really have to be more, you know, Re- Re- Rebecca waits until she's like mad and ready to kill him before she says something. And I try to get her to just talk. Like, I am awful. He, he, no, you're not awful. <laughs> she about to make, I'm going to punch you in your face in front of Britt. Don't do that. <laughs> We're a ways away from awful. You're not awful, you know, but like if it's on the count, cal- there's nothing wrong with scheduling it. If it's like Monday is my solo date night. Wednesday is our date night. Friday wow. is our night to be with friends. Then now it's not like, why doesn't she want to be with me? It's like, it's Monday. That's her thing. Wow. So like you should have in a, in a perfect week, you should have a solo night, a date night, a time with your friends night, a time to work on whatever you want night. And if if you have kids, that's tough. If you don't, it becomes a little bit easier. But um, I so support solo time. Even if you were a party girl extrovert, I would say you need some alone time because that's and, important. And I think to add on to that a little bit is that you need to stop feeling guilty about wanting it. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, what you, he said. Yeah, you you let yourself fall into that guilt, and it's like it's it's okay to be you. That's one thing I've been trying to preach to her since I met her. Like I gave everybody all of me, and then if you don't like it, cool. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I'd rather not have a friend than to lose a friend. So <laughs> you're going to go ahead and get all of me up front, you know, and she's breaking her shell. Her being on this podcast is a huge thing, mm-hmm. but you know, she still goes through a lot of guilt and it's like, stop being guilty about everything, you know? Mm-hmm. It's tricky. Well, especially if what you need is bumping up against your partner's triggers. Yeah. So there's like lots of really good stuff for that particular issue. Like you want to detach and he wants to attach and like all the attachment stuff would be, and they have really awesome apps that you guys could do together too. Oh, that's pretty cool. Okay. Hmm. Cool. That way you don't have to like be with him to stay connected. Ask him, how do you like, like, I hate texting and my husband knows, like, I don't text me. I don't want to talk during the day. Like, leave me alone all day. And fortunately he's wired the same, but like, if I was someone that needed texting to feel connected and he's not a texter, that would be really triggering for me. So you could ask your husband, what would be a way for you to stay in that connected feeling that doesn't include me having to like physically be there? Hmm. Okay. 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 I'm about to go get me a husband just so I can try some of this. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I thank you, Brett. Right. All right. It helps. We leave little, like, I'm just weird. I have like these little toy airplanes and toy cars. And so like, we'll leave them around the house for each other. And it's like, I just, you know, like I'll leave one in the bathroom. So in the morning when he's up at five and I'm asleep, he walks in and he sees the airplane on the toilet seat. And that's like, Hey, Britt was thinking about me. And then when I get up, there's like a car on the coffee maker. And so it's our way of connecting with each other. That doesn't require time. So you can get creative with this. You know what's crazy is I would have never came up with nothing like that. <laughs> People like you get on my nerves. You know that? <laughs> oh, he sorry, not sorry. Now on my nerves because that was like a dope thing. Like you just need it, and I was like, "Oh, that is dope. That's like dope as hell." But why I would never think of? I like, love it. Never think of that. And see, well, that's me, why I have a job. Perfect. I wouldn't think of half the things you come up with. So. 
It's true. I'm like, I feel like I got to prove what I'm talking about here. No, no, no. You don't have to. Trust. I visualize it. I can see it. That's like we leave toys around and it's easy and it's it's not it doesn't take any time or effort, but it makes such a huge difference. Right. So it's like you need to find whatever your toy is. Yeah. I'm going to so do it. That's good advice. Find what your toy is. And I'm going to TikTok it. (laughs) Yes. Hashtag science of stock. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna see me. I'm a texter. Like you, I just don't want to be bothered when I don't want to be bothered. So I'd rather you text me than call me. Oh, I don't answer my phone. Like never call me. Oh my god. Right. right. Uh, to me, and that's how I feel too. Like never call me. Send me a text, and if it's an emergency, put emergency, and I'll call you back. And I know you're gonna lose a couple of seconds, and I know that couple of seconds might be your life. But that's not my decision. That is God's. You know what I'm saying? So. Um, I'm gonna need you to text me first. <laughs> if you if your thumbs are broken or your fingers are broken, use your use your nose. Right. <laughs> Something. Uh-uh. Now you can do speech you to talk. Text. I was gonna right. say you could talk. All you got to do is like Google, send a text. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But if it, even if it's your last dying breath, like just go ahead and send me a text. I'm gonna make sure everybody get the message. Okay, Bri, I have a crazy question, right? Okay. I think you're fun. Someone asked this. If you knew you were dying, what would you do to people as a prank? Like you were dying today. I was going to say, tell technically we're all dying. Right, right. We are. But I don't know. I heard this a conversation the other day and I actually have a really cool answer. What would I do as a prank? I Okay. So m- one of my like trauma things is being embarrassed by like pranky practical jokes. Oh, like no. I get a really big rage response. I don't like oh, surprises. Way to go. So okay, way to go. I would, if I was dying, I wouldn't do pranks. I would want every, you know what I would want to do is have somebody organize my funeral before I died so I can be there for it. Cause it's so sad that the best things about us are said after we're not here to listen to them. Isn't that crazy? Yes. But that's just on us that well, us as humans got to change because we need to start doing it before the funerals. There right. was an episode of Little House in the Prairie that the woman actually did that just so that she would get her children home so she could wow. see them. Wow. I saw something the other day about someone doing the same thing. She was having the funeral for herself because she knew she was dying and she wanted to. I like that. It's a, a good answer, but okay. I'm... That's my ultimate prank. Hey, everyone, come over. Surprise, we're having a funeral. Now, I might steal that prank. Please. <laughs> What's yours? I would post, I would send a message to all my Facebook friends uh-huh. and, so, and put it in chain letter and say, if they don't forward it to 25 people, I'm going to die tomorrow. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> oh my god! Wow, that is really good, Micah. <laughs> I think that'll be amazing. You are You're wretched. Me. You are awful. I would have to, but you know what? People who know me know I would do something like that. You know, sure. I, I find I don't know. I think that's maybe how I got through my my trauma was with humor. humor. Yeah, yeah, a yeah, lot that's of humor. Why you... And and I know people get upset because they're like. You know, we, we had a rape episode and it was a, a guy who had, they dealt with rape and, you know, and I was telling my little jokes. But once again, I was talking about me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I feel like when I'm talking about me, I could do what I want to with it. And if I, I agree to, with I'll, that. Like there is no there should be no like censoring how you interpret your own story. Right. Like I am sexual assault survivor, too. And with my own stuff, if I don't have a sense of humor, not 
all the time. Like there's a time right. and a place. But right. like if I didn't laugh about some of the really bad stuff that happened to me, I don't know if I would have made it through it. So right. if you own the story, you get to do whatever you want with it. If it's not your story, then mind your own business. Yeah, drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah, because I don't know. Sometimes I get messages and people are like, you were laughing during the rape episode. And I was like, I was laughing about me. <laughs> you know, something I went through. You know, like, hello. Right. But I do kind of joke a little too much sometimes. And I think I need to, like, kind of start thinking about it ain't always a good time. <laughs> defense mechanism maybe i don't know yeah because i'm like maybe it's not a good time to be joking <laughs> well i think that's kind of you bring that to our podcast though you bring that element and i think a lot of people might look for that in our take on how to handle mental health well it's needed otherwise this would be totally a drag like, like it would be so depressing if it was just like and then i'm seeing for myself and yeah. then i was assaulted and then i was addicted and 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 it's like i take my trauma seriously but we have to be able to laugh about this shit really and so it's sometimes what they say laughter is the best medicine Sometimes if not, I probably still be crying for all the shit I've been through, you know. Mm -hmm. And but it's like even with that, once again, I don't know your story. Right. So, you know, it's like if you want to laugh about it, cool. I'm gonna laugh with you. Yeah, you know, yeah. but if you want to cry about it, trust, I'm gonna cry with you too. I'm sure. just one of those people. I'm never gonna let a person I'm cry. I'm a social crier. Yeah, she she cries at <laughs> we can have an episode just for her crying through the whole thing. So that's why I try to bring laughter to it. It but, helps. I want to talk about people out here in our world who are hurting right now. Mm. Give them some advice. Drop some jewels on them, Britt. Well, this is my big thing. There is no such thing as a crazy person. Like, it's not a thing. Like, you may not know what's going on. You may not know why you're doing And I'm not saying mental illness isn't real. Like, I take psych meds. I see a therapist. Like, I get it. Your pain is real. But crazy is not a freaking thing. Right. So I used to be like, oh, my God, I'm so crazy. Why do I do this? It's like, whatever your thing is, like, I don't care what your thing is. You are not crazy. Like, I can't give you the here's why it's happening or here's how to stop it. But sometimes just knowing that, like, your brain's on your side and even your most messed up stuff like can be changed if you have safety and choices and resources and um, you're not crazy. Like what if the problem isn't inside you? What if the problem is like, there's a quote, I don't know who said it. Cause I would be, I'm big on credit, but like, you know, like when a flower doesn't bloom, like you don't blame the flower. You look at the freaking dirt, like what's going on in the environment. And so it's really important to know that like we have to take accountability for our bad behavior. I'm not saying give yourself a pass, but like, you're not crazy. You're not the one person that's incapable of change. I promise. I've heard that. I used to say that like, Nope, I'm just so bad. I'm the worst of the worst. Nothing could ever. It's like, nah, if you're a human with a brain, things can change period. All right. That's really good advice. Yeah. I was it's, sorry. But... It's almost like there's no evil or good person. It's the person makes bad choices. Yeah, it's like the actions. The actions, yeah. Which is a hard sell for people who are in early recovery from other people making bad choices that right. interfered with their safety yeah. and all their well-being. So that's why I'm like, don't worry about whether or not that person is evil. Let's focus on you. And like, if you're like, I'm an evil piece of shit, it's like, if only it were that simple. It's like, you're not. So what do you want to do about it? And 
like the best the best intervention for anybody wherever they are is what are my choices? Because not everybody has the choice to go on meds or to go to therapy or to be in a safe place or to drive 10 hours away from their childhood home. But like ask yourself, what are my choices? And of those, what am I going to say yes to today? Not next year, not after I buy the shoes, not after I have the gear. Like what can you do of your choice? Your, sh- your choices might suck, but it's almost never the case that people have no choices. They're just like bad ones. But like of the choices you have, what can you say yes to today? And then that's where you start. It's not great, but it's a starting place. And any place is better than being stuck. Right. It's like funny because it. one thing that you said or that you touched on, which we actually been hearing a lot lately, just talking to people is safety or feeling safe. Mm-hmm. You no, know, I, I make I, I feel like that's honestly the first step, you know, like get to a place where you feel safe or, you know, you can at least be safe with yourself. Yes. Like when I was leaving one of my many violent, crazy making relationships, like I would go to my therapist and be like, help me. I'm depressed. And she's like, no, Brett, you're being abused. Like there's nothing to do with depression and this person. Like you have to be safe before we're going to work on stuff. Like when you're being like under attack is not the time to start trying to dig through the deep stuff. So safety first, always. Yeah. I just wanted to point that out because it was funny. It was so fluent Mm -hmm. in you saying it, but I feel like sometimes people don't know that that's just the first step, that the first step really is put yourself in a situation where you feel safe. Or safe-ish or safe enough, or at least safer. Safer, exactly. Right, right. And then always look for what's safer. (laughs) You know, like, don't stop there. Don't settle. Right, right, right. Because safer. And then they're safer. (laughs) And then they're safer, you know? And and so, like, yeah, let's keep it moving. Um, Oh, sorry. No, I was just saying exactly. Oh, okay. So, uh, Rebecca is here. Um, I kind of been doing podcasts for a few years now. But I moved away from my co-host you know, my best friend, my co-host, Oof. I moved away from her. So, um, which she reminds me every day. And um, <laughs> it's funny, we were having a conversation the other day and I was like, girl, you know, I would do anything for you. She was like, you're going to move back. And I'm like, but that's <laughs> <laughs> like, you didn't let me finish. <laughs> so um, I knew that I still wanted to do the podcast because I don't know. I just feel like mental health is so important. It wasn't mm-hmm. until I started dealing with my own stuff that I started to feel free. You know, and it's just, and it's just free enough to be me. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was posting a TikTok the other day, and I was like, my hair was like all everywhere, and I'm like, yo, who I was last year would not have been on this screen, not perfect. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I would have been perfect, and here I am making a TikTok with my hair crazy. Like that is improvement that wouldn't happen if I didn't find my safe place. Breakthrough. Yes. Right. And now it's just like I just want everybody to know that yo, you can get this. And I tried everything, you know, until I finally found what worked for me. And what worked for me was me. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was like I kind of had a, you know, I was putting thoughts away that I shouldn't have. You know, I needed to, like, finish living the moment out, you know, m- move on from the moment. You know, I went through a lot of things that I didn't understand. You know, it, it's, you know, I was molested, but now it went from not only, you know, it being sexual, now it being sexual and abusive. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I I, became, I came okay to terms with the sexual part, but now the abusive part, I'm like, damn, what the fuck did I do? Like, I'm doing everything you're asking, you know? It's like, what's going on? So it's just, whew, I'm just telling people, find your safe place. Mm-hmm. It's really, really dope. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I probably want a little rant there. Rebecca oh, was no, like, would no, you shut up? <laughs> I was just going to say, like, back to him 
feeling better about himself, you know, and all that. I was just thinking, you know, I've been struggling myself with my own self-esteem forever. And Micah and Crystal both have been kind of on me a lot about it. And so Crystal suggested, and I guess she did it in the past, um, about putting a rubber band on my wrist. And that every time I think a negative thought or whatever, I needed to just snap it to kind of remind myself to not think those things. And can I throw another tool on the, the rubber band thing is a thing. It's been around for a while and for people that love it, they love it. And I'm a big do whatever works for you. I didn't like it because I felt like I was being bad every time. So now it's, oh shoot, I thought a negative thought, which I'm not supposed to do. So now I'm punishing myself by snapping the rubber band. And then I went into a shame spiral. So the rubber bands is great for some people like yay crystal. It was a solid piece of advice for you. I would suggest if you think a negative thought, instead of trying to like talk yourself out of it, because that's not going to work, ask yourself or say out loud, what else is true? So it's like, oh my God, I'm such a terrible wife. What else is true? It's also true that sometimes I'm a really good wife. What, you know, like, oh my God, no one will like me. Okay, well, what else is true? Well, it seems like at least Michael likes me. So maybe like some people might like, if you can, I call it I make, <laughs> make an also true list. Okay. All right. I'll try That's that. Advice. And honestly, you took the words out of my hand, my mouth. I said my hand. <laughs> Either way. Too, you yeah, took yeah. It out, I took it out of my mouth and then you took it out of my hand mm-hmm. <laughs> about that because I was thinking that too like you're punishing yourself mm-hmm. and it's like well, she must have gotten it from a, a former therapist of hers it's a thing and regular therapy regular traditional therapy it's like a go-to um and then again, for some people it works beautifully, but like shaming yourself, oh, now I'm bad because I thought a negative thought. So instead of trying to stop doing something, it's if you can add something else to like, if you can stack on a positive thought to the negative thought, now you've deactivated the power of the negative thought. Right. So instead of trying to stop, you're just sort of squishing it out. Right. So I find that's a much gentler way of approaching it. Yeah, I actually find... <laughs> 90% of the time, I forget that I have the dang thing on. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, I mean, the concept is still cool. Like yeah, you said, it, but yeah, like replace that negative yeah. with something positive. I like that. Get it together. Yeah. Yep, you're not replacing it. You're not trying to be like, no, that's not true. You're just saying, okay, this is my thought. Here's another one. And yeah. then you're just attaching another one to it. I also feel like maybe you just hear the thought out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we assume that it's negative and it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. And yeah. maybe I was a bad wife in that moment. But... And also true. Right. right. What else is true? Right. Not every moment is going to be a bad moment. Definitely. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. And there's places that you can get help. There's numbers you can call. Mm-hmm. They're listed all throughout all of our webs, all of our episodes, list mm-hmm. the number for you. There's help out there. People will help you. Britt's information will be all yeah, over of this. Of course. Episode. Yes, Britt. I'll have your information everywhere, yes. all over everything. Thank you. Um, I hope you enjoy. I enjoyed you because we over here, we're having a conversation like we're friends. And I'm I like, know, I'm like, is, like... Any, is anybody going to get anything out of this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they will. I did. <laughs> like anybody, we over here talking about, yeah, girl. <laughs> you want some cheese? No, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we thank you for coming on. Yeah, this was this was fun. Again, we're talking about really hard things, but like 
You two are really fun to talk to. So thank you for your work in the world. It's so important. Thank you thank for you. your work. Yeah, for definitely. Sure. Yeah. And I do really want a signed autograph copy. Yes. So I, I will send you an email. Just tell me what to pay, where to send it. And I just want my copy. I got to fill it on my bookshelf. I got a bookshelf over here mm-hmm. and I want it spilled up. Yeah. Love it. I'll tell you what, I will send you a signed copy and then you just buy one and give it to someone who can't buy one for themselves. Okay. I like it. I'll buy it too. There I'm you go. Going to be getting the Audible because I like to listen to audiobooks while mm-hmm. I'm folding laundry or doing dishes or whatever. So I'm cool. Well, I read the Audible, so you're gonna have me in your head for eight hours. Sorry, <gasps> that's perfect. <laughs> your voice is not terrible, so it's okay. <laughs> Thank like, you. Some of them be are terrible. Some but, are. Um, so speaking of your book, um, who do you recommend read it? If you are currently in an unsafe or very high crisis, high trauma situation, don't read my book. Go to like your website and find your, your like emergency crisis numbers, help, like safety first. So if you're not safe, don't read my book. Assuming that you're safe enough that you're not currently like, hi, like, you know, when I was high all the time. Like my book would not be helpful while I was high all the time. But like, if you're struggling with something, but you're generally safe enough and you have a few choices rolling around and you have like your basic needs met, like, but you're stressed, you're burned out, you're anxious, you're depressed. You don't know why you keep doing the thing that you don't want to be doing. Um, that's, that's for you. The book's for you. Oh, cool. Hmm. Definitely. We're going to have to link to everywhere that you can buy it. It's going to be everywhere that we post. We're going to talk about Brit. We also put your profile on our website. So people will definitely know how to reach out to you. Um, Get the book. I'm going to read it myself Mm -hmm. just because every day, just because I feel like I found peace don't mean there ain't better peace out there for me. Right. So I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's on a t-shirt. Make that onto a t-shirt. Yeah. Okay. okay. So t-shirt. Two, I got right that t-shirts. There's two t-shirts right <laughs> uh-huh. there. We're about to go into business together. Brit. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we do thank you so much for being yes, on. Thank you. Don't um, be surprised if you get another email from me because we, I feel like we could have talked to her another hour. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> uh, if we we'll can. We'll talk about your second book. Right. Oh, no, not even that. We could still talk about the first one yes. because I still got 3,800 questions. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to invite you back on for part two if you're okay with that. Done and done. I'm going to say it on the air so that way you kind of feel obligated. I don't feel obligated. I have good boundaries, but I like you guys, so I'm happy to do it. Oh, my God. You say the dopest stuff. I I know. Amazing. I know that's right. But thank you so much for being on. Thank Mm. you guys for watching, and we will see you next week. Bye.